You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with the wonderful guitarist from Primal Scream. His name is Andrew Innes. The purpose of the conversation was to promote the band's then-upcoming tour of Australia, which was in February of 2018. Let's see what Andrew has to say. Here we go. Hey, hey Andrew, it's Andy Mackay-Smith calling. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm good, mate. Good, yeah. How's the uh, Aussie phonogrind, as I like to say, treating you? Oh, it's not too bad, to be honest. I, I hate to say it, but Australians are, are much more fun to talk to than the English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> how many of us have you spoken eh? to? How many of us have you spoken to today so far? Oh, it's only one so far. So okay, cool. No, All right, mate. No worries. Well, look, I'll kick things off because I think you've got a few. You've after got me. a Scottish name. Yeah. I do, mate. Yeah, I do. Yeah, my my grandfather was from Scotland. Yeah, right. Ah, oh, good. Yeah, oh, well, we'll be all right then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get over there someday because I've got relatives over there. But since my grandfather passed away about twenty years ago or so, I've lost contact. Well, he lost. <laughs> obviously, he lost contact with him because he's not around. But I never got around to sort of getting right. names and addresses. Have you, have you never been? No, I haven't, and I should go you back. Nev- oh, you, you should definitely go just to see the. The Highlands. Yeah, look, it's, you know, it's, you, you should go once just to see. But go go in summer. Don't come over now. Oh no, I won't, mate. Yeah, what I'd like I'm to do. I'm sure Western going. You, eh? Oh, sorry. No, you go. You go. It's, sorry. It's, it's so it's so beautiful. The Highlands. You, you yeah, know, it's, it's worth it. It's well, worth it's. A visit, so. it's part of my family lineage isn't it you know and it's it's nice to yeah. connect with that and i think the other thing i'd like to do is um watch a rugby game scotland versus the wallabies over there actually that's something i'd be really excited to watch who'd you be supporting though oh we'll guess <laughs> wallabies <laughs> i can't, can't go against where i'm born mate i'm sorry <laughs> i've got a, i've got a soft spot for the scots for obvious yeah. reason but um yeah i'm a wallaby through and through yeah, because we're no good at anything. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, mate. So, uh, look, I've, I've been looking forward to this chat, I've got to yep. tell you. Um, you know, you, yep. you've had a wonderful career both in Primal Scream and personally. But, mate, when when you look back over the past 35 years of your own recorded music history, what comes to mind? Oh, God, that's a hard question. God. I don't know, I guess it's what we're doing now or something, you know, we've been in being involved, we're in writing some songs and it's always seems to be I guess that's why we keep going is because it's it's always what you're doing now, you, you've always got a tune in your head, you're always thinking well, can I get another bit for that bit of the song, or should we do the song like this and that's that's what music always says to me it's normally what's going on right now because that's what takes up your time, and rather than, because I know I, I say that, but you know sometimes when I'm out play, when I'm out and I'm listening to people playing records, and I go, I think to myself, who's this? This is quite good. And then somebody goes, it's you, yeah, effing idiot. <laughs> oh, really? Cause that's I great. don't, because I don't sit and listen. Obviously, you don't sit at home playing your own records because you'd be. A, I always think that's a bit weird. <laughs> So and and because and because generally when you play the stuff live it evolves into something else. So the recorded version doesn't sound like the live version to me anymore. So 
so I, if I hear the recorded version, it, it kind of confuses me. I'm like, who's that? No, I've had that quite a few times. There was one from the... I was in I was in some shop and I thought, oh, that's the Stone Roses and it was something off our first record. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I know, and I was like, God, it sounded like the Roses to me. <laughs> and then I realised what it was. <laughs> so... No, that's fantastic. You've got that distance between what you've recorded and what you're listening to. And I find it especially interesting that you listened to a song and you didn't realise it was your own, yet you were a fan of it. Because I talk to a lot of musicians and sometimes quietly they'll say, look, I'm sick of my own material, especially the classic stuff that the fans love. Yeah. Well, you see, that is a poison chalice in a way because it does take you think sometimes you go off a song but you know if it's a song like with us like move on up or loaded you're kind of in trouble then because people really want to hear that and it's but I found a set list of ours from 2000 where we didn't play anything off screen and I was just thinking god we, we, we only played exterminator songs and I was thinking god that's brave because you couldn't really we could probably get lunch now if they tried. Yeah, yeah. Actually, but at the time, at the time, it was definitely it was a thing, an albatross around our neck. That you know, every we we were trying to move forward and move in and exterminate, and people are still, oh, we want happy, loaded. We want the you know the happy side, and we were feeling weren't feeling it, and it was hard. And I like us, I like us for trying for doing it I think it was good that we did did that set you know well I think we played move it on up and that was it and there was no there was nothing else it was all exterminator which you know but but now I think as you get older you kind of get you realise it is a legacy and you realise people do like those songs Mm. yeah they do and you're just happy to be you know, you know, we we are, like you said, it's thirty five years. If somebody told me thirty five years ago that I'd be going to Australia again in twenty seventeen to play music, I'd have been falling about the floor laughing. <laughs> you know, you you never thought it would you never thought it would make it to nineteen eighty eight back then in nineteen eighty six. So so I guess you feel you just feel lucky you're still going and you know, people want want to hear these songs, so and they are good songs. Now, you, they're good. Sorry, yeah. No, I just I just said as I say, mate. Look, I, I you, what you're saying is resonating big time because I first got into the band through the album from 1994, "Give Out But Don't Give Up." But I don't think ah. I would have been able to get into you guys if it wasn't for the buzz that was created around Screamadelica, which was around 1992. But you know, just going back to "Give Out yeah. But Don't Give Up" because I'm very familiar with that album. How much pressure did you feel, from, you know, from the record company to recreate the success of Screamadelica on that one? Well, to be honest, we didn't really have. It was weird because we'd done the whole big Screamadelica tour, and we were, you know, we were worn out. And, and Screamadelica, although we'd used we'd used up every idea, because normally, although it's the first commercial success, it was a third album. So by that time, you generally, you don't have any songs lying about, you don't have anything. And so suddenly it was, oh, where's the next album? The usual record company thing is, you come off the world tour after a year 
and you just want to sit back and relax and somebody goes, I wish a new album. You go, well, we haven't got any songs. And so it, it was quite hard. It was quite hard. I always say it's like pulling your own teeth out of that album hmm. in a way. Okay, yeah. But if you, there's a, there's, a, there's a good thing in it for you, though, if you, you like that album. I found when we first went to Memphis, we recorded Give Out version that, and Tom Dowd did some mixes that we didn't really use the original mixes, and I found a cassette tape of the original Memphis mixes. And mm. I think we're going to re-release it. Sony are going to re-release it next year. Excellent. And it's a, and it's actually the the mixes that we did down in Memphis before George Clinton or you know anybody you know did the re, the sort of remixes. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Does, so you so there's there's a, a treat for you there if you like that album you'll you'll love these original original sound of it. I, I, I don't think people realise that the title track was also written by George Clinton. It was like a collaboration. No, what right? it was, it was a collaboration. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it was a collaboration. Sorry, I meant to say that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it was a collaboration. Yeah. How did that happen? How did yeah. that come about? Christ, I don't know whose idea. Somebody, I think it was somebody up the record of the creation, maybe one of the Abbott brothers, just went, I think he might have been licensing, trying to license some George Clinton stuff, and he just went, why don't you ask George if he'll do a mix for you? And he just thought, oh, that's a great idea. So we did. I think he did Funky Jam first, and we liked that so much that we got him to do it. I'm pretty hazy around about this LP. <laughs> you're, you're quizzing me in the wrong stuff. Sorry, I'll dive deep on some things, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's why when I found it, when I found the original Tom Dowd mixes, I was like, I wonder what these sound like, and they sound. I don't know why we didn't put them out at the time, but they sound, they sound really Memphis like, which is not surprisingly considering they had all the Memphis boys on the record. But it's it'll be a it'll be a treat for you when it comes out. Like you, you like it? Yeah, no, you're not wrong, mate. Thanks for giving me the heads up on that on that yeah. one, and um. Look, I remember getting into Vanishing Point, but like to your point, I remember thinking Exterminator was very different for you guys. It actually, um, I think Exterminator, you're actually ahead of your time uh, on that one there. So, I think, you... yeah, no, I agree with you. I think we were kind of ahead of the, the time there. We were just in a good. I, I kind of think they're a trilogy. The now looking back, because you've got time between it, like Vanishing Point, Exterminator, and the Evil Heat a kind of that trilogy that came out. We just got our own studio. I mean, we went in a right good run of, you know, do, doing doing stuff. It was a really good run. And they've all got, you know, they've all got that sound quite... Well, they're, they're different, but I just, I just feel as I... Yeah, there's a, a narrative thread through them. ...with those LPs. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Will, will there be much material from Exterminator that's performed on the Australian tour? I've not got that far. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I'm terrible. I mean, I said to them, I normally, well, it'll be the rehearsals the day before. <laughs> will be, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll play some of it. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll,
Yeah, and your um your guitar playing, mate. Tell me a little bit about that because I never felt as though you were given enough credit as a guitarist in the scene. You know, it was sort of like a you're a part of a block of bands, including the Black Crows, where the musicianship, I think. It was there. There's no question about that. It's highly technical playing yeah. and a lot of feel in the playing, but it was overlooked and you didn't feature in a lot of guitar magazines. Is there a reason for that? I don't know. They never asked us. Hmm. I think yeah. we only ever get asked to do one guitar magazine. I, I don't know if people just think because, you know, they think, oh, they're electronic or something that they don't actually listen because between me and, Robert, you know, the original guitar Robert, hmm. I mean, he, he, hmm. he was... He was Incredible. He, we were kind of the what made us work well together. We, we, we were opposites. Yes. He, he yeah. just, I, I could get dig in and do the business, but he, he, and he could, he'd just pick up the guitar and come up with something really lyrical and beautiful. And so we we, we worked well together. Been a good good thing. Who, who inspired you to play the no, guitar, mate? I, who who inspired you early on? Oh, God. Early on, it'd be... I'd just be, I guess it's... My, the best one for learning, I've, there was a, there was this Who compilation, Meaty, Beaty, Big and Bouncy. So I, I liked... I liked Pete, I really liked Pete Townsend because it's aggressive and it's angry. Not mm. <laughs> aggressive. You know, he had that real, you know, the chord stuff, I really like Townsend. Yeah, I, I can hear the that. First total guy I like is Townsend. I mean, obviously, like, you know, the Beatles and the Stones came up through that, and then, but then one of the, the one of the good ones was Wilco Johnson. I really liked him because when everyone's big brother was into Genesis and Yes and all that stuff, hmm. that dog. Feel good record. I liked. I really liked that. And then obviously the punk punk bands. But I could play before punk happened. So I guess it's just uh-huh. who Beatles, Kinks, all the classic British British guitar players. I can definitely you know, hear that in your playing. Actually, now that you mention it, yeah. 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 I always wanted to ask you that. So there I know you it's not. I know it's not cool to say it, but I love Quo. Early Quo. Okay. Quo. Oh, status quo, uh, up, yeah, yeah. Yeah, up to about 76, I love the quo. And uh, you're not meant to say that because everyone's on status quo. But they, they were a good band. I think they were a very good live band. They were up there with ACDC in terms of that, you know, that rock and roll boogie that I they never, had. They could just do it. You're, you're right there. They could blow it. You know, when they played the boogie, it was 3,000 3, guys in, in <laughs> denim in the Glasgow Apollo, all shaking their heads. It was brilliant. Oh, fantastic. And, mate, one of the bands that I think myself and a lot of fans of Primal Scream do associate you with are the Black Crows, and I've already mentioned them, and you seem like transatlantic kindred spirits to me at the very least. Did you ever tour with them? Did you ever have a relationship with them? No, never. Hmm. Never. I don't think they liked us. Wow, okay. <laughs> What's not to like? <laughs> I don't know. I think there was something something there but I don't don't know, yeah. I know I guess I guess we still had that thing in that seventies rock swag that sort of swagger that's kinda it's quite hard to catch and it's gone it's gone from guitar music, that swagger. 
Because mm. I suppose kids don't play, don't learn off Jimmy Page and learn off, you know, free or like you say, the DC. No, I agree with you completely. Yeah. I was doing a review you know, of an of an album. Sorry, sorry, you go, mate. I was doing. Look, I was doing a review. I do a lot of album reviews, and I notice it with some of the bands yeah. that are coming out now, mate. They just haven't listened to enough blues, in my view. You know, like I can hear that in your playing that you have, right? And then they're, they're missing that well, think, that groove and that boogie. Yeah. I think it came from, you know, the the British guitar players who I love. Oh, they were listening to black records. They were mm. listening to R&B, you know, when I say R&B, I mean old R&B, they were listening to Freddie King, they were listening to, you know, Howlin' Wolf. If you listen to Howlin' Wolf, it's, he's the fun, probably the funkiest, one of the funkiest bands. Yes. You know, even though it's blues, it's funky, and the guitar playing's funky, and, you know, and I guess the British guys were coming from that, they were coming from a love of black music, which... Maybe, you know, that's gone that's gone a lot with the guitar playing now. It's all coming from white I would say white me are gonna sound like it's it's maybe guitar but I know what you're saying. Up, it's light. Yeah. I know right? exactly what you're saying. Yeah, maybe they just like you two or something which is you know, nowadays or I don't know what they like, but they're not it's not coming from the source which was always sort of black American R and B records. I think you've just said something really important. I'm in a band and I talk about this with the guys all the time and some of them are older than me, but look, my influence, I'm a bass guitarist and my influences are guys like Larry Graham and Bernard Edwards from Chic and I take a lot of cues yeah. from them when I'm playing, you know, and I do think, I don't know how else to say it, but I do think the black musicians had it right and, you know, they were able to combine the rock, the groove and the swagger and, and that's where the cue comes from and I don't think enough young musicians uh, are listening to these guys anymore. Yeah, but it's probably hard because you don't know these influences. I mean, rock, rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. It's just I hear you knocking by Little Richard. Hmm. If you listen to the open, I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. It's rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. Yeah, but that's Zeppelin. are trying to probably they were jamming, jamming out their favourite Little Richard record, and then changed the words. Thought <laughs> we've got something here. You're probably you know, right, but mate. that's how you make music. You know, that's how you make music is you and but the you know, it's coming from that New Orleans thing. Zeppelin's rock and roll's coming directly from New Orleans. Hmm. So Yeah. Mate this this chat has been and then we then I wanted to play like Jimmy Page, so I'm listening to not knowing until later on that you're actually listening to somebody trying to be from New Orleans. You don't realise till later when you're actually a, a musician. You go, you've just nicked that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from tw- you know, but that's great. That's how music's made, isn't it? It is. Yeah, well, you know, we we all, um, I can't remember if it was Van Halen or Angus Young who said it, but, you know, we're all stealing other people's riffs and ideas, and, you know, and we're just sort of recreating them in our own way. He said it in a completely different way than I've just mentioned it there, but it's what we've got to do. (laughs) It's all been written before. No, no, that's what music is. And that's how you just kind of set it to your, your environment and your, you know, your year. And you basically take what you love and you rechannel it, and that's what great music is. It's not nobody ever says anybody's a original, but you are original because you've you've changed it for your time and your place. 
and hopefully you've made it. You know, you put your own your own stamp on it. But yeah. no, agreed. I made a better wrap things up. Unfortunately, believe me, I could chat for another hour. Oh, yeah, to you, it sounds yeah. like. Sorry, there's only twenty minutes. So, a chat. No, no, it's been fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Okay, I'm glad you. All right, and I'll see you. Are you coming to the show then? Yeah, I'll be in the Brisbane audience, mate. So I'd love to catch up with you and have a beer, actually, if we could arrange it when you come down. Yep. Okay. No worries. So I might might, might reach out to John. Enough. Yeah, I might reach out to John nearer to yep. the date, mate, if that's okay. Yeah, and we can continue our chat. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, mate. All the very best, mate. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is the Scars and Guitars podcast. That was my conversation with Andrew Innes, who is the guitarist in the band Primal Scream. Thanks so much for listening.